1: The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Antony Reich.
0: tov, Antony, before we get into your report, um, I just need to do a quick update. Um, The November 1 north between Bayers, Nordea and Ravonia Road is horrible, according to Roland. Thank you so much, Roland, for this update. He said you'd be faster if you parked your car on the side of the road and walked. Okay, so between Bayers the November 1 north between Bays and Ravonia Road try and avoid that area as well thank you so much Roland Boketov Anthony Reich how are you
1: Boketov Shavua Tov um, so much seems to have happened over the weekend lots and lots of things to report unfortunately I'm not going to be able to get through anything but I'm going to try and get through a few snippets before we get into some meaty bits first of all um, a great result coming from Doha from Qatar in the World Swimming Championships, where Israeli swimmer Anastasia Gorbenka, Gorbenko, also known as Nastya she prefers to be called Nastya Gorbenko, she won the silver medal in the women's 400-meter individual medley and then was promptly booed on the podium by uh, the spectators around the pool in Doha, in Qatar. And um, Uh, Nastia gorbenko just so that um, the listeners understand her parents uh, are ukrainian immigrants she's 20 years old she and her two sisters were born in haifa so she is israeli born and bred and she's considered to be israel's greatest ever swimmer um she's won medals in european championships and in world championships she's also swum in olympic finals um and she is a great advert for Israel. Um, she, um, she she counted the booing that she experienced on the podium and during the uh, victory ceremony where she was interviewed. And she said, I've been here for a week. I've heard all these noises, but I have earplugs. I'm in my zone. I'm here to do what I love to do, which is sports. I'm here to represent my country. And I'm doing this with the Israeli flag. And I'm proud of that. Wow. And whoever doesn't like it, it's just not my problem those are the words of nastia gorbenko who won silver at the doha world championships yesterday in the individual medley and really uh, proud of her achievements really proud of her achievements and um, just a completely unrelated story is about two sharks that were found off the coast of israel and were named <laughs> so after story. the two <laughs> yep. yeah they, they were named after the two hostages who were rescued from gaza one was given the name fernando and the other one was given the w- w- name louisa because she's a female and unfortunately she couldn't be called louise so they called her louisa and um, they are a dusk shark and a sandbar shark and um, the israeli uh, marine institute is very involved with um actually tagging sharks off the coast of israel and i think it's great that they've been given the and names of the two hostages who were rescued um, just another interesting story is that president isaac herzog has been in munich at the munich security conference um, and around the edges of the conference <coughs> excuse me he actually met the prime minister of qatar um, and it's kind of an ironic story given how Nastia Gorbenko was treated yesterday in qatar at the swimming uh the 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 world championships um here is our president meeting the president meeting the prime minister of qatar in munich um talking about a possible hostage deal but actually um the uh president um appeared with a book that had been found uh in uh, gaza and this is a book that's been written by uh one of the hamas leadership and the book is all about how to hate and destroy Jews. That is the subject of the book. And actually, the president had a copy of the cover of the book when he presented it to a press conference just to show exactly the sort of things that have been found in Gaza. Um, And one more little snippet before we get into the main stories is, of course, the um, International Court of Justice remains very, very busy with Israeli-related cases on Friday south africa brought another case to the icj to try to prevent israel from carrying out an operation in Rafah. this was a particular case about Rafah. the icj ruled against that case once again supporting israel's right to continue the operation in gaza so i found that to be um, a quite an interesting case even though it didn't seem to have been uh, very well publicized or very widely publicized but nonetheless um, a result that that i think supports israel's right uh to continue its operations and today the international court of justice is due to begin to hear five days on uh, a referral that was made by the united nations general assembly seeking an advisory opinion from the international court of justice regarding israel's rule over Uh, Judea and Samaria since 1967 since the six-day war 1967 and this is an advisory opinion that has been sought by the United Nations General Assembly which means that it has no real legal bearing and just um, to put this into context in 2004 an, an advisory opinion was sought from the International Court of Justice as well on the issue of Israel's security barrier that was constructed and the ICJ then decided that to the extent that Israel's security barrier uh, crossed over into territory that is in the West Bank that that should be uh, dismantled that that should be brought down and that's illegal and as it happens Israel has not done anything about it effectively has ignored that advisory opinion but it has no legal bearing and so the same would be true of this particular case that will begin today at the ICJ about Israel's right to rule over Judea and Samaria since 1967. It will be advisory. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the result is, but I don't suspect that there will be any consequences as a result of the hearing.
0: So interesting. I mean, where where we're at with, with all of this, there's so many different narratives that it's hard to actually keep up with it, Anthony. Uh, I had a guest on one of the correspondents on Friday who he's a firm believer that there's a one-state solution, that um, you know Israelis and Palestinians could form one state. What's your thought about that?
1: Yeah, I think that that's an enormously difficult solution to put together. Um, I don't think that the Israelis and I don't think the Palestinians really want a one-state solution. I, when I say the Israelis, I'm talking about the majority. There clearly are people who... Uh, propose and would support a one-state solution because they are believers in what we would call the greater land of Israel which means that Israel has the right to rule over um, Gaza and over um, all areas on the West Bank of the Jordan. Um, so there are people who believe that that land is absolutely fundamental to the Jewish future um, but I think that on the whole most Israelis and certainly um, Palestinians would not feel comfortable or happy with a one-state solution where we're trying to push um, what we would classically call a square peg into a round hole because I don't think that anybody would feel very comfortable with that solution. I mean, when we see um you know israel of course has two million arabs and and we are very very happy to have two million arabs living within the state of israel who are passport carrying id card carrying entitled to um medical and entitled to tuition and entitled to sit in the knesset and entitled to do everything that jewish israelis are entitled to do and yet we have stories like one which i've been wanting to speak about for some weeks already but unfortunately never got around to it about an israeli arab who actually gave information to hamas about sensitive military sites in the north in an attempt to try to give hamas the ability to fire rockets towards those sensitive military sites in north of israel now many israelis would hold this up and say well that's only one um particular person and of course there are traitors everywhere but the problem is that i think that there's more than just a few people like that arab israelis who don't feel any level of loyalty to israel and would do whatever they could in order to just um to, to to create instability within the state of israel so if we try to add in the million or so um, Arabs who live within the West Bank today and add in another 2 million Arabs who live in Gaza because they're not going to go anywhere. Those people are there to stay and I don't think it would be reasonable to expect them to go anywhere. So if you you want to include all of that in one state and you want to include all those people who will be entitled to citizenship and passports like everywhere else because that's how the state of Israel works, um, I think that could potentially be massively problematic.
0: Um, a listener question coming, coming through for you, Anthony, says, um, and unsigned, says, are the rockets from Gaza and Lebanon different? Seems like the rockets from Gaza are intercepted with Iron Dome, but the rockets from Lebanon are not. I think that that's a good question, and I haven't picked that up. I think that that's really a good question.
1: Um, the simple answer is that the rockets from Lebanon and Gaza are different. The ones from Gaza are mostly less accurate in the way that uh, they can be fired so it's more random they just simply fire rockets in a general direction hoping that they will hit some sort of a civilian area um, so there's a more random uh, a more randomness to the way that those <clears throat> rockets are fired and it's true to say that many of them most of them are intercepted by iron dome because they are medium range rockets they don't uh, from gaza while there are there is use of mortars and there is use of um, rpg's rocket propelled grenades which are very very short-range missiles on the whole the rockets that come from gaza are medium range and that falls neatly into the capability of the iron dome where, it's, where, where Lebanon is concerned, first of all, the medium and longer range missiles are far more accurate. There are precision guided missiles. And we've seen from Lebanon, missiles that go directly towards israeli military installations and so they are much more accurate but we've also noticed from the lebanese extensive use of very very short-range missiles whether they be mortars whether they be anti-tank missiles whether they be rpgs which israel currently doesn't have a good answer to and it's easy for them to fire those missiles across the border into towns like Kiryat Shmona, which are relatively close to the border and therefore are susceptible to the short-range missiles which Israel currently doesn't have the ability to intercept. So that's why you get the impression that Iron Dome is more successful in the south. It's just because different missiles are being used and they are interceptable by Iron Dome, whereas the ones that come from Hezbollah in the north are either more precision-guided, which of course can be intercepted by Iron Dome, but they're also using very short-range missiles.
0: Fascinating. Anthony, um, the IDF has finally entered... Well, finally entered NASA Hospital in Khan following numerous intelligence reports indicating terror activities in the hospital. So, what did they find there?
1: So, this is just the same story all over again about hospitals. First of all, before as the IDF is approaching a hospital, and we've seen this on so many occasions before in this war, um, lots and lots of uh, uh, humanitarian outrage about the possibility of the idf going into a hospital which is considered to be off site in terms of military activities but the idea for going into those hospitals not because they want to create a humanitarian disaster but because they have firm intelligence of military activities having been undertaken in those hospitals and hey presto when idf eventually get to nasa hospital and go in they find so much evidence of military and activity having taken place there so here's what happens at nasa hospital first of all when the generators went down at nasa hospital which prevented medical treatment from being uh, dispensed to patients who were there the idf engineering team repaired the generators brought new generators in in order to allow the medical aspect of nasa hospital to continue without interruption those stories we don't get to hear much about further than that the idf um uh, arrested many many patients and hospital staff in NASA hospital or at least people who were posing as patients and hospital staff because they were militants military operatives terrorists who were uh, operating from the hospital all posing as patients or um, hospital staff more than that, They found the packages of medication that were sent through the World Health Organization and the United Nations that were supposed to have been delivered to Israeli hostages with names on the boxes and the photograph, the picture of the Israeli hostage on the medication box. That's how these packages were put together to send to hostages in Gaza. Those boxes of medications were found lying around the NASA Hospital in Khan Yunus, just to give an idea of the humanitarian aspect of what 's been going on in Gaza, or potentially the lack of humanitarian aspect, so NASA Hospital also in addition has we've had a lot of intelligence about hostage activity having been taken place in NASA Hospital and the fact that there may well be bodies of Israeli hostages who've been killed in that hospital compound area. That information has yet to come through to be confirmed, but we are certainly expecting the possibility to find the bodies of some of our hostages who've been killed. And this kind of then moves forward to Rafah because there's so much um, outrage about the possibility of an operation in Rafah. And once again, we can see why. It's because they don't want us to go there. We hear that many Israeli hostages, live hostages, are somewhere around the Rafah area. There is a lot of military activity around Rafah area. Somehow Hamas has managed to recruit world opinion to oppose Israeli operation in Rafah we can be sure that Israel will be determined to do so because there is good reason. There's good reason why they're opposing it and there's good reason why we want to go in and uh, conduct our operations, not only in NASA, but indeed in Rafah as well.
0: Anthony, are you able to stay with us after 8 o'clock? Because I just I want to have this conversation about the hostages, about, Racha, about Rafah, about, you know, the the threat or the ultimatum you either give back the hostages by the start of Ramadan or on the 10th of March where you know Israel is is entering um, Rafah. are the hostages still still going to be alive by then you know can we have that conversation after 8 we've got to get to news or do you want to hold it over to tomorrow
1: we did we did we, we we did promise that we were going to talk about a ceasefire on Thursday when you wanted me to hold over yes, yes. Uh, until after the news, and yes. we haven't hit that subject. So I will save after the news on this occasion. Thank but you. But let's talk about that subject rather, and um, so at least we okay. can finish that off, and then we can talk about other things tomorrow. Right.
0: Perfect. Thank you. So. Anthony's going to stand by, and uh, you stay with us. You've got any comments, any questions? We're going to be talking about how do Israelis feel about the possible ceasefire, or about a possible ceasefire that's coming up after the news. I apologise that it is late.
1: IFM 101.9 megahertz of life.
0: Staying with me this morning is Anthony Reich, and. Uh, yeah, so much happening in Israel but one of the questions that I asked him last week was are Israelis unified on the approach and their opinions about a ceasefire so we're going to talk th- about that now and uh, tomorrow we'll talk about the hostages about Rafah, and uh, you know, all the other news Anthony how, d- how do you and how do other Israelis feel about a ceasefire
1: well the issue of a ceasefire is really very much wrapped up with the hostages yes um because um those listeners who are not familiar with the way that hamas are negotiating this hamas is saying we are not even willing to begin the discussions about a possible hostage exchange until a ceasefire is in operation so first ceasefire then negotiations. Israel's approach is saying, "Hang on a second. The ceasefire, or um, maybe not quite a ceasefire, but at least any kind of uh, uh, halal in the fighting, any temporary stop that we might put to the operations in Gaza, needs to be part of a negotiated hostage exchange deal. The the ceasefire." the stop the the stop in the in the fighting whatever you wish to call it needs to be part of the negotiated agreement and so what we're finding is that some um, israelis on the left wing of the political spectrum and those who are um, within the hostage families are saying if hamas is saying that we need to stop fighting in order to begin negotiations on a hostage exchange let's stop today let's stop right away because the idea of um, releasing the hostages needs to be paramount because their lives are at risk after so many days of being in captivity 136 days it is today after being in captivity every single day counts and they are imploring the israeli government to unilaterally stop the 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 fighting and to allow any hostage exchange to go ahead of course believing or potentially um um, going with the hamas uh, rhetoric that if there is a ceasefire they will then move forward to a hostage exchange we all know that the hostages are a very important lever a very important coin that hamas has um uh, uh, in their uh, in their favor and the likelihood of them simply releasing all of those hostages and losing that advantage to me seems almost zero they may release some of them as part of a negotiated exchange but i have little doubt that they will always retain some of those hostages back in order to continue to have some influence to exert some uh, some to have a lever that they can pull um, against the Israeli government and so the the people on the left of the political spectrum and the hostage families are those that are really advocating very very strongly for a ceasefire right away I would say the majority of the remainder of Israel do not support the idea of a ceasefire unless of course it is part of negotiated hostage exchange so we know as was the case before that if we stop fighting for a certain period of time that hostages will be released they might have to come at the expense of release of some palestinian prisoners but at least there will be a program there will be a reason why we've stopped fighting i think most israelis believe that we need to finish this job off completely and that even if we do agree to some sort of a ceasefire that it should be temporary because the job in Rafah that needs to be done is way way too critical. The military infrastructure, the stuff that's being hidden in Rafah is too critical to Israel's future security to allow it just to stay there. And having done this massive job of cleaning up north and central Gaza, including Khan Yunus, which was really a hotbed of military activity. Now the focus has moved to Rafah. I think that if you had to do a poll today in Israel, you would find that the majority of Israelis support the idea of Israel finishing the job in Rafah and destroying the tunnels and going to see whether our hostages might not be held there and seeing whether Yixia Sinwar might not be hiding there. There is a lot of work that potentially needs to be done in Rafah. And so most people would really call on the government not to have a ceasefire. And that, by the way, is also the message coming from the military establishment, not only the senior generals, but indeed soldiers on the ground are coming out of Gaza and imploring the government not to stop now now is not a good time to stop we've done so much work already in gaza we need to simply finish it and do the work that needs to be done in rafah so i would say that most israelis do not support the idea of a ceasefire right now unless of course there is a plan to have hostages released which in which case i think that many would say release the hostages but then after that exchange has been done we need to go back and finish the job that, I think, is the, the general view of Israelis. But, of course, as always, where you have two Jews, you have three opinions. And so there are a lot of people who might not agree with that. But, of course, it's interesting to hear as well what the listeners think about this.
0: 100%. And our listeners are so smart, Anthony. The, I'll read you some of the messages that have come through. But uh, something else, I mean, if and this just talks to different narratives. And it's very important that we understand that what the information that's, that's authorized and released by Israel and by the IDF, um, it's a war situation. So, you know, there is going to be propaganda. There is going to, to a limited degree, there is going to be information that is not released. And something that uh, I actually saw that's kind of got me questioning is Iran asking... Hezbollah. This is according to a report. Iran asking Hezbollah to avoid war in the north. Um, This comes from the Washington Post. That Iran cautioned Hezbollah that war with Israel would risk precious gains in the region. What gains? I mean, if we if we are looking at at Israeli media out of the Middle East, it's about Israel winning the war, and you know, um, Hamas is is you know they're over. Yahya yeah. uh, Sinwa is, you know, he's uh, he hasn't been in touch with leadership, Hamas leadership since January. I mean, it's a very very different story, right?
1: Well, th- the narrative that the Arabs like to put out yeah. um, is well known to be filled with propaganda, and um, we've got experts. Um, in our intelligence call who know how to interpret the messages that the Arab leadership put out um, to their people in order to consume and how to read between the lines because there are always lines to be read between where um, the Arab Uh, put out propaganda messages and it was interesting to see for example how the foreign minister of Egypt was very very critical of Hamas and said that Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people I'm not sure that that's correct by the way we could talk about that separately but the Hamas um, senior um, uh, leadership came out saying what the Egyptian foreign minister said was not all correct and one has to really interpret very very carefully exactly the tone of the message and how it's come out it might be very very critical even though it sounds not so critical but they put out messages to be consumed by the general public which are filled with propaganda and are patently inaccurate it's not that they are saying things in a certain way in order to gender a certain response they are actually making statements that are absolutely untrue israel is equally playing psychological warfare both with its own people and indeed with the consumers of messages that come from israel amongst the enemy so when israel puts out a public statement we always have to think about who's reading it and what they're going to interpret from this israel's statements are always very um confident about the gains and about information that comes out of Gaza, the um, successes that soldiers have achieved in Gaza. And Israel always supports these statements. People go into the various uh, channels and the websites. You will see photographs and videos to show evidence of activity that's taken place. You are right to say that the idea for putting out information in a way that we need to consume it, or maybe that the Arab public need to consume it. And it's also true that there will be information which is not put out in the general public um, for reasons that only they understand that they don't wish people to know about. So there is certainly ideological uh, psychological warfare um, going on here, but I would say that it would be very, very difficult for the IDF to make statements that are absolutely untrue. I don't think that they will be telling lies. I think that they will be taking the truth and they will be presenting it in a certain fashion and they might even be hiding some of the truths. Yes. But I don't think that they are putting out statements that are absolutely untrue in the same way that the Arab uh, leadership like to do.
0: I hear it. All right, just getting through some of the messages because then we've then we've got to let you go and uh, we've also got to get on. But uh, Roland says, well, the Arab world has been wanting a one-state solution forever. So let them have a one-state solution. The one state will be a Jewish Israel. Anyone from Gaza, the so-called West Bank, can go to Egypt and Jordan. Um, That is Roland's comment. If you would like to agree or disagree with Roland, you can do so on 061-895-1019. Um, Unsigned says Hobson's choice for Jordan, again, to be a Palestinian state. Hobson's choice choice being um, a reference to... A choice that is not really a choice you know um let's have a look what else have we got here Mervin says hi i saw on youtube that Yahya senwar was captured is this true one can't trust youtube well there's your answer mervyn uh, if you know you can't trust it then don't and let's have a look here anton says amusing that norway with the icy climate is dealing with frozen funds See, I told you. Our listeners are very smart. Um, Mervin says, yes, the IDF must take Rafa. And then I told you our listeners are smart, Anthony. Carol Z says, sorry for repeating myself. I love and adore Anthony Reich. Most important SMS of the whole day for you. I think anthony has gone. Oh, okay, lots there. of
1: different, lots of different views, <laughs> so lots of many. different views coming through. But I think, I think that you know, everybody, either there's nothing right or wrong. Um, um, absolutely. Uh, I certainly haven't seen anything about Yihya Sinwar having been captured. Um, but again, because um, we know that there's a lot of information that we don't know, um, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. But it's certainly not out in the public domain and has certainly not been reported. There was a video showing him escaping in that tunnel in Khan Yunus but that was a video that was taken already some months ago um, and as you rightly point out he doesn't seem to have been in contact with anybody over the past few weeks so it leads to speculation as to what his situation is and um, we heard at one stage that he was surrounding himself with hostages we're not really quite sure but that there is a certain view that he may well be hiding somewhere in the Rafah area amongst the hostages somewhere whether he's actually with them or not I'm not quite sure Um, but um, yeah certainly lots and lots of views and um, i think that it kind of also reflects the israeli public who also speculate a lot about things that are going on around and try to read between the lines because we all know that there's certain bits of information that we are not getting and so we're trying to interpret to try to uh, jump to conclusions about what the IDF might be trying to say without actually saying it. But I think we get a lot of information from the And for people who are interested. There is a daily report that's put out and I think it's quite informative and it usually comes with photographs and some video clips. So I think it's quite interesting to, to see that but also bear in mind that it doesn't necessarily tell the entire story.
0: Anthony, thank you so much for giving us this extra time today. Really appreciate it and uh, wish you a good day. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Thank you so much. That is Anthony Reich.